Hello, welcome to Sisters in Colour. This is a new podcast about the amazing migrant women, their stories of their cultures, their faith, their resilience and ability to reinvent themselves professionally and personally in their adopted countries. Please join me on this journey of discovery of the richness, vibrancy and diversity of the multicultural women who choose to share their story. Today we are talking to one of our amazing African entrepreneurs who is based in the United Kingdom, has a personal development business that she's very excited to be telling us about. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Shireen to our program today. Welcome Shireen. Well, good afternoon for you, but thank you for welcoming me. Shireen, please tell us a bit about um, about yourself. How do you come to, to, to be in the UK? Okay, so um, we moved to the UK in 2013, August 2013. Prior to that, I was living in Greece with my husband and my children. And we lived there for, well, I lived there for 15 years. Um, raising a family and, um, and generally just getting on with life in Greece. Before that, I lived in the UK for a very short period. And that's when I met my husband. And obviously before that, I was in the beautiful sunshine city of Harare. Excellent. So um, growing up in the sunshine city of Harare, uh, you met your husband. Your husband is Greek, did you say? Yeah. Yes, he's a Greek. So London, yes, yes. How did that come about and how did um, the, the two cultures come together? Uh, so we met in London. He was living in London. Obviously, I was, I was living in London too um, and we clicked. And mm. then the natural thing for him was, um, and I think quite a few Greek people feel this, he'd been out of his, out of his country for a long time, um, 17 years. And he really, really wanted to return. And it so happened that his job allowed him, you know, the, the, the opportunity to return, to still work for the same company he was working for, international company, international mm-hmm. job, but be based in Greece. And in my mind, that fitted with my sort of um, family sensibilities because I thought if I'm going to start a family, I'd like them to have family around them, to grow up the way I grew up in Zimbabwe with with a grandmother, with cousins, with aunts. Yeah. In the UK, we didn't have that mm-hmm. dynamic. So we moved to Greece and that's where we started our family and that's where we started our life. How do you find uh, Greek culture and the Zimbabwean culture that you were raised? A lot of similarities or was it like a culture shock for you going into that family? The culture is different. It is different. Um, there are some similarities as, as there is, there is a, the, there's a big family dynamic. Mm-hmm. So, um, so old people, one of, the, one of the main things that struck me is, much like Zimbabwe, old people will always be looked after by the family. They will not be put into a retirement home, unlike some European communities. So they have that dynamic. They're very close to their family, lots of um, um, close friends, so that's quite, and, and then again, um, the, Greek, the Greek language. I was speaking once in front of a, a, an aunt of mine in Zimbabwe, and she said to me, that sounds like Shona. The phonetics are the same. Okay. So that, yeah, so they have that. So they have that. So they have the warmth. They have the good uh, climate like we have in Zimbabwe, the sun. Sun makes people different. I'm sure you know that. Makes <laughs> yes, it does. It makes you happier. <laughs> yeah, it makes you a lot happier. They have the family dynamic. 
so quite close, but then also different in other aspects. So it was a good learning curve for me. I stepped very much outside my comfort zone because when I went mm -hmm. there, I could hardly speak any Greek. Mm -hmm. And I moved to a little, um, a little town, the town that my husband's from. It's a seaside town, really small. Hardly anybody speaks English, no friends. And I started from scratch. But I think looking back at it in perspective, you either sink or you swim. And Zimbabweans, we tend to swim. <laughs> we are very resilient. Put us anywhere, we'll make a plan and we'll work it out. We are very resilient. Now, I've never talked to anybody who has actually lived in Greece. I've talked to people who have traveled there. I've talked to people. What was that like? And I am sure being in a mixed race relationship, that was not something that was commonplace um, in Greece at that time. That's an assumption that I'm making. So what was that like? So it was, it was very different. So the mixed race relationship obviously is something that um, was not common. Mm -hmm. And some people were quite surprised. Um, Firstly, secondly, there were, especially the village that I lived in for the first four years, there was no person of color, absolutely nobody. So I you were a novelty. <laughs> so I was the novelty, yes. People were staring, people were looking. Um, and that's quite, that, for me, that was a bit of a culture shock because I'd come from Zimbabwe, where we were now a rainbow nation and everything, you know, we mixed different colors, different people, everything was fine. So to go yeah. somewhere where you are now the, minor, the, the minority and everybody's looking at you. It was a bit of a shock, mm -hmm. but you learn to deal with it. People learn to accept you. People learn to recognize your difference and admire it in some cases. Mm -hmm. And you just, you, you move along. Um, for instance, my children, all three of them look nothing like me. They don't have my color. They look mm -hmm. Greek or, or, or European or white but they embrace the Africanness that comes from uh -huh. so much. They're so proud to say their mom's from Africa. They're so yeah. proud to be associated with Africa. So Brilliant. That's excellent. And that's in large part due to you and instilling those values and um, making sure they knew where they came from. So have you taken them back to Africa much? Have you visited much? Yes, I have. I took them back in 2015. And they absolutely loved it. So much sunshine, because by then we've been living in the UK where sunshine is, is not to be taken for granted. Sunshine is an opportunity. <laughs> so, so A cousin of mine once said to me, you guys, he, he called me and uh, at the time I was living in Wellington, New Zealand, and we were absolutely celebrating that the sun was out. And he says to me, the sun being out is a cause for celebration. I'm like, you bet you, you have no idea. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So they were happy with that wonderful weather. Um, we went out, we went to Kariba. They saw all these animals that you would usually see in a zoo. And I kept saying to them, I will not go to a zoo. I will not go to a circus. You need to see them in their natural environment. So this was fantastic. And then the people, so friendly. Zimbabwean people are always smiling. It doesn't matter that they have an economic problem in that country, that they have political problems. Everybody's smiling, everybody's happy, even out, far out in the rural areas, you'll see some children playing in the sand, no toys. That was my daughter. She said, they don't have any toys. I said, this is it. The yes. simple things count. Smiling. They use the imagination. Yes. 
not all these fancy uh, electronic toys. No, out in the sunshine, doing all the things that come naturally to you. I said to her, these are the simple things. That's what makes you happy. They've made a game. They've got fans. Yes, exactly. Now tell us a bit about, you know, your, your journey, your career um, journey. What was your early career life like? Okay, so the early career life I worked in, I worked as a travel agent. I worked in marketing. Um, I did a, quite a bit of sales. I worked for a very big company um, towards the end that, that built a fantastic lodge in Victoria Falls. Mm -hmm. um, I did timeshare selling. Then I went into more marketing and um, advertising. And at the peak of that, I then left Zimbabwe to go mm -hmm. um, and explore and to travel. I went to the UK mm -hmm. with the hopes of, of getting a job and then traveling about Europe maybe traveling the world, hopefully. And so I stayed here for a while, um, started working, and that's when I met my husband. And then you moved to Greece. So now yeah. tell us a bit, you're on this, this massive journey of building this uh, personal development coaching, uh, life coaching company. Uh, yes. Do you want to give us a bit about, um, you know, how that, came, how that came about? How did that journey start? Okay, so um, when we moved back to the UK, um, I was thinking, I need to, you know, what, what am I going to do with myself? Apart from being a full-time mother, and I'll never knock that job. That's a 24-hour job. <laughs> yes, there's That's no That's a 48-hour job with no, with no pay. <laughs> exactly. But apart from that, I found while the children were at school, maybe I could explore some other opportunities. Mm -hmm. And a friend of mine asked me to sit in on her final exam um, she was qualifying to be a coach and she said, would you sit in on this? There will be an invigilator and I will use you um, as a client and we'll see how it goes. So I sat in on it and I found it really interesting. And then I spoke to my husband about it and I said, you know, I did this with this lady and it was really, really interesting. And this is what they did. And this is how it went. And I felt so relaxed and so calm and I felt I just felt at home and he said to me, do you realize that what they did is something that you do inadvertently and you've been doing for some time with friends of yours in Greece, with some of my family? Why don't you explore it? At the time, I was thinking of, of um, exploring counseling. Mm -hmm. And he said to me, have a look at the coaching side. So I went, I did a two-day course, um, started a course just to see, and fantastic. I loved it. And so that's how I started my journey. Okay. So when you, when you started this, um, th th this journey of yours, how did you go about getting your first, your first client? You mentioned earlier on that you had some background in marketing. A lot of people, when they start on a business journey, I think one of the, the critical things is how do you, you, you have this massive vision, you have this idea, you do this course, you see other people doing it, and then now the rubber hits the road, so to speak. Uh, with yourself how did you go about getting you know like your first clients was it friends was it family how did you go about getting those first couple of clients to get yourself going okay so so for practice I used friends and family but mm -hmm. for actual clients um, it was more referrals word of mouth so from those friends or family from um, business connections people that we'd met along the way just referring them um, I find that it works much better to coach people I don't know. 
Mm-hmm. And when you do, when you actually do the course, they, they always say to you, don't try and coach your husband. Don't try and coach well, your friend. No, don't do that. <laughs> no, because you already, you, you have a biased opinion. So it's quite difficult for you to give them the input that they need because you've already got this idea in your mind. So whatever they say, sometimes you might blanket and just go with what you know about that person. Whereas it's mm-hmm. much better if it's someone you don't know Mm-hmm. And then you pay more attention and even better, something even better when, when, when you're training and I've done it sometimes, um, I do a lot of my work over Skype. Mm-hmm. So virtually not to have a camera when you don't mm-hmm. have the camera on, you're not paying attention to body language. You're not getting all these other signals. What you are doing is listening really carefully and intensely. And so when you listen that way, you can then give them the feedback they need and lead them. What it is basically is empowering the person. So you can give them the questions they need for them to think of the answers and find the strength, the courage, the empowerment inside themselves and move forward. So life coaching for me is, um, you know, it's a massive industry now. uh, And there's lots of different um, avenues that people take. People call themselves life strategists. They call themselves life coaches, personal development coaches. Um, They all, you know, genres within the same, same sort of field. So where do you sit? Where, what does the life coaching business look like for you and your, your business? Okay. So for me, it's personal performance. So mm-hmm. I, I've done people, I've done um, individuals from housewives. I've also done executives for my husband, who is more of an, he's an energy executive. He's, he's more of an executive. He does leadership and mentoring. So that's how we've split the company. He's, mm-hmm. he's more of a, um, a leadership coach, a mentor. He can give people in the executive world more of that type of feedback, whereas mine is more personal performance. So by personal performance, do you want to just elaborate a bit on what you mean on that? What are the key areas that you're focusing on? So if you were coaching me, for example, around personal performance, what are you looking at in, um, with me? Okay, so for instance, you might come to me and say, I'm a woman who has... Um, who has been doing, who's been a mother, full-time mother for the last five years. I now mm-hmm. want to get back into the workforce. I now want a career. So we'll take it from there. What is it that you're looking for? You obviously have some ideas and then we work from that. It needs to be your issue based solely on you. And then we work through that and find out what it is that you want, where you want to go. Because sometimes people say, okay, so... I've been a full-time mother and I want a career. Well, what career do you want? Okay. Where do you want to go? How do you want to go? And from there, with all the questions, we build it up step by step. Where do you want to go? Where do you see yourself in five years' time? Where do you see yourself tomorrow, next month? Mm -hmm. How will we get there tomorrow or next month? What do you think you can do? What support do you have? Okay. So I take it with all that you're talking about, you offer different packages for different stages, depending on where you're at, um, where you're at in that, in that, in that journey. Yes, definitely. So I can, I can do, I can do the personal performance for somebody going back, trying to get back into the workforce for somebody who has an issue with themselves, somebody that wants to lose weight. I've done that. I've had somebody who wanted to lose weight and, and the basic things, 
that you need to do. So she kept sabotaging herself. She would go mm -hmm. shopping for groceries when she's hungry. Big mistake. If you do that, yeah, if you do that, you're liable, you're hungry, you because you've done lots of other things. So it needs a schedule. You need more, not discipline, but a schedule. Because you are disciplined, deep yeah. down. But your schedule has gone astray. You've done lots of other things. And by the time you time to go and do the groceries, you're hungry. So you grab the first thing you've got. So that's a sabotage. That's, that's game over. So how do we yeah. go about this? Let's think. What should we do? How can we plan your day? How can it fit in? What should you do when you're in this position? Should you go to the supermarket alone? Different things. So I've done that. I've done somebody, um, executive, moving from his 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 home city, comfortable life, wife, job, suddenly he needed to move countries, totally different culture, to Dubai, all alone, leaving his family, but it, he needed to do it for his job. How do you do that? Transition into different cultures. So once we've coached you how to find a job in a different country, what do you need to do? What are the steps? How do you, so we won't be telling you, you need to go and see an agent and then you need to do a CV. No, we'll ask you questions and you'll find your way, you'll find the answers. Once you get to Dubai, you've got the job, you're in place. Now we have the transition process. It's a different mm -hmm. culture. You're feeling, maybe you feel lonely, you miss your family, how do you deal with that? Let's go through those stages. So that's what I do. Excellent. No, that's amazing. Now, you mentioned earlier that there's two sides to your business. So you're in partnership with, with your husband. How, does, yes. how, how do you find that? <laughs> it's, it's, um, it's not a walk in the park. So it's, <laughs> yeah, because you're together all the time, but we're very clear. It's something that we are both very excited about. We've put a mm -hmm. lot of energy into it. Um, we really, really, really believe in it. We really, really want to make something of it. And eventually, you know, when he retires from his full-time job, have this as something that we can continue doing. Um, and of course, you need to have boundaries. You need to have rules. You need to be disciplined. Sometimes we don't. Mm -hmm. But we try, we really do try to keep the lines clear and not cross over lines and keep personal time for personal time, business time for business time. But as I said, sometimes it overlaps. We could be out. Oh, yeah. We You're not robots. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We could be out there saying somebody could approach us. And so we switch off this mm -hmm. couple dynamic. And now we, we're dealing with the company and, and mm -hmm. selling the company to somebody or speaking to somebody about it. So, yeah, so it's work. It's constant work. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, we know the basis for it is we are happy to do it together. Yes. We drive each other. He loves coaching. He loves to mm -hmm. be coached. Mm -hmm. People say don't coach husband, but he enjoys it. He plays tennis with me fantastically in the coaching mm -hmm. world. So I'll throw things at him. He'll throw it back at me. So that's fantastic. So we have a good rapport like that. And we just try, we really try to keep the dynamic going. Excellent. No, that's amazing. Now, so who is the, the you know, every organization has a face. Every organization has the leader. So are you the face, um, the leader? You mentioned your husband is still working full time. So he's doing the yes. coaching business in a part-time capacity. So are you the face of your business driving it forward, doing the marketing forward, or is that very much still a joint effort? It's still a joint effort. It's still a joint effort. Okay. Because he's got, he's got quite a big market for himself. He does a lot of work um, 
part-time, but he still does a lot of work with leadership and mentoring. He does a lot of seminars at business schools. He works with the IOD, which is the Institute of Directors here in England. So he, yeah. he has a lot of courses. He's a course leader, so he runs business courses there through our company. So he, mm -hmm. even though he has a full-time job, he's still putting in his, you know, his energy and his focus into our company. It's not like I'm there on my own or 75% me. No, it's 50-50. And in mm -hmm. fact, I think he puts in so much work from his side, he might be leading the company. Okay, excellent. So now, um, for us African people, the, yes. the idea of having um, a life coach, a counsellor, anyone in your personal space is kind of like a... <laughs> <laughs> How have you found approaching um, African clientele? Have you got African clientele? Okay, so I've done a couple of people in Africa, uh, a few in Zimbabwe and a few in South Africa. And I have to say, uh, um, first of all, to coach somebody, they need to want it. Mm -hmm. so, so, But to get the idea across, it's a simple analogy that I usually put to people. Top athletes in the world have a coach. Why do they have a coach? To help them get better, to help them increase their potential, to get a better game. So that's what I'm there to do. I'm not there to learn your secrets. I'm not there to give you therapy. I'm not a therapist. I'm there to get you to the next level. That's what my job is. And if you believe in the process, if you read up on coaching, if you look it up, if you watch a couple of videos, you'll see that at the end of the day, my job is simply to get you to your next level, to reach your full potential. Excellent. So it's, it's most of, I know you do, uh, you said the majority of your business you do via Skype and you do that yes. online. Um, is there an, a face-to-face -face element? Do you have clients coming in to, to you as well? I have had a couple. I've had a few come in. Yes. And that's mm -hmm. very nice as well. That's a really great dynamic because they get to, um, for some people, look, the, the over Skype is, is for people that are not within reach. So people that mm -hmm. are out of the country or at a great distance. And so, so that works for us. If you are living close by and we can meet, that's fantastic. I love doing it. Mm -hmm. to see each other and, and, and see each other's body language, work together. So, yeah. Different. It's obviously a different dynamic when you're it's in a, person. Yes, it's a totally different I, dynamic. Yes, because we but, have the body language. So I try always, as I said before, to blank it out so that I mm -hmm. get a clear understanding from listening to what you want to do. But body language is important too when you meet somebody. So if you meet somebody and you're open and friendly, mm -hmm. calms them down, relaxes, and then we can get to exactly what you want to do. So what, what, what areas do you, I know you're based in the UK and I know your business is online and you're largely obviously a global business because you're online, but where's the majority of your clientele coming from? Is it the UK where you're based? Is it Africa where you come from? Greece where you've lived for a long time? Where are many of your clients coming from? UK, from the UK, simply because I'm based here from the UK. I've done a, quite a large number in Greece too, and that's due oh. to the referrals. Nothing else. That's okay. Now, you are an exceptionally busy woman. How do you juggle the wife, the mother, and the businesswoman? Because as women, we are constantly trying to 
balance all these balls in the air. And, you know, um, I know we're great at multitasking, but what advice do you have for, for women? How have you done it, um, juggling all three of these balls? Okay, so I don't think I've done it fully, Wendy. I'm still dropping balls all over the show, so I can't say I've done it. But I think what you need is you need to believe in yourself. You need to have um, a good support network. So for me, obviously, part of it is, is, is my husband. A big part of it is my children. They are so proud that I'm trying to, to do something career-wise and I'm getting a job. So I've explained to them sometimes, you know, I can't do this. I can't be around them. You need to be quiet. Then we need to do this. We need to do that. And in the beginning, especially for the little one, it was like, oh, you're cutting in on my playtime. You're cutting in on my this or my that. And then when I said, yes, but I've got a job. And, I, and then she was like, oh, okay. So then you're like, so-and-so's mom, you also works. So that's it. So you need a good support network and you need to continually instill in them the idea that you're doing it for the greater good. You're doing it for the family. And what is the age range of your kids? Okay, so my son is 19. He's at university. Mm -hmm. um, I have a daughter who's 16 and she's doing her GCSEs now. Mm -hmm. And then I have another daughter who's 11. Okay. They're not quite out the nest yet. <laughs> no, they're not out the nest yet. And I've seen with my son at university. You think, okay, so he's gone to university. That's it. We're no, we're not done yet. No, there's still things that you need to do together. There's still things that you need and input you need to put in. And then the 11-year-old, you know, she's, um, September she'll be in high school. And so, as you said about dropping the balls, and, and, and I keep saying, when she goes in September, I'll have even more time and I'll be able mm -hmm. to do more work. So it's always an ongoing thing. Always ongoing and always adjusting. Definitely, definitely. Um, so I guess for me, I want to find out a little bit about you as the person. So outside of being a mother, outside of being uh, a wife, uh, a businesswoman, what do you like to do for fun? What are some of the things that you like to do for pure joy? I like, I like walking. So I live out in the sort of, I think you would call it the country. So I'm really enjoying that. I'm enjoying walking about in the countryside. I do it for... Um, for fitness, but I do it more for the beauty around me. I'm finding that the older I get, the more I appreciate the stuff that's going on around me. So I do that. I, um, I love to read. I think reading is, is something that I find very important in my life, not only for, for knowledge. I can read nonsense. I can read um, fiction. I can read nonfiction. I can read fantasy. I just love the idea of picking up a book and getting lost in it. So that's a big thing for me. Um, and apart from that, no, those are my two favorite things. So you mentioned reading. I love to read. So what are you reading? What, what have you read that's really good lately? Okay, so I started now. I started a book by Stephen Fry. He's brought out a book called Myth, uh, Mythos. So oh. it's... Yes, it's, it's, he loved, as a kid, Greek mythology. So he's rewritten yeah. in, his, in his, you know, he's quite, um, he's quite a character. So the way yeah. he's written it is quite intriguing. It's quite funny. It's quite, so that's what I've got. So that's what I'm reading now. And I'm really excited about it. It's a big book. I thought I'd take uh -huh. it and read it in the summer, but I just couldn't wait. Excellent. So um, on the scope of reading, I know part of personal development, certainly for me, and certainly for anybody who's on this path, is, um, is making reading just part of every day. 
um, you know, I read somewhere, a quote somewhere that says, you'll be the same person in 10 years time, apart from the people you've met and the books that you've, that you've read. So I, and I believe in that. I believe that books can be very life-changing and ideas from those books can be life-changing. Um, in the personal development coaching world, um, there is that whole emphasis on reading, on reading very broadly on a range of theories, range of experiences and all of that. What are some of your top recommendations? If I really want to, um, I guess, take my life to that next level. If I'm a woman who's thinking, you know, I want to go into business for myself, I want to, or I want to move up in my career, I just want to get to that next level, whatever next level looks like for me. What are some of the top recommendations um, you could make in terms of books that, that kind of helped you um, get to that stage or maybe that you've read and have helped your clients? Okay, so the main book I would say, it's not so much a coaching book. It's, it's a book about life. And this is a book that my husband had read and he said he changed his life and made him decide that I'm the person he should be with different world, different cultures. And it's a book that we always gift to people. It's mm -hmm. uh, Paolo Coelho's book, The Alchemist. Mm -hmm. Oh, The Alchemist. Yes. yes. That's in my book. It's about life and about changes and things and, and following your path and finding the truth in yourself. Mm -hmm. So that, that is the main book. The other books I would say, there's, there's a huge uh, range of books for coaching. Um, mm -hmm. And if you look it up, if, if you, I mean, if you go online, they'll give you a huge range. So I would say um, mindfulness books are good. So teaching mm -hmm. you to be mindful of the moment, mindful when you're thinking and doing things. And then if you're going into a career, I would really more broadly search up books and information on that particular career. Okay. Or, or on opening a business, how mm -hmm. to go about it step by step. What do I need to do? What workshops do I need to attend? And if I can't attend a workshop, what can I find on YouTube that will tell me the basic steps about how to go about opening the business? Who can I speak to? Who's opened a business recently? Yeah. What have the experiences been? So that's, that's my advice. Okay. Excellent. So I guess... Um, one of the things that I'm interested in is the whole area of mindfulness. And I know that's a big part of the whole personal development. Now, you mentioned you love walking, you love being in outdoors, appreciating all of that. Do you have a meditative practice? Do you um, have a routine that you do every morning? Like you wake up, you sit and you're silent with yourself, whether it's your prayerful, whether it's whatever it is, do you, what is your mindfulness routine okay. on a date? Okay. So I do try to meditate. Um, and in the beginning, I found it really difficult. You know, there was, there was a huge sort of buzz going on a couple of years ago, meditation and everybody needs to meditate. And if you meditate, you're and I found it really difficult to meditate. So I went to a place, I found a place um, here in the UK where they teach you um, and it's called Raja Yoga Meditation. So you meditate oh, with your eyes open. You don't have to shut your eyes. Um, and they were doing it at a place called Global Retreat Center here in Oxford. And, and the reason why you do it with your eyes open, first of all, is because they said sometimes when you feel stressed or when you're in a difficult situation or when you just want to relax, if you are at an airport, if you are in a public place, it looks, you might not feel confident in shutting your eyes and saying little chance to meditate. Whereas if you learn this system, eyes open, but you know the steps to go through the meditation, you're fine. So you can do it anywhere, anytime. 
So I went, I learned this. Um, obviously, it takes some time to learn to meditate because you've got all these thoughts and things one in your mind, shooting through your mind and you need to calm down and then you go again. So it took a long time, but I find it does help me. I think it does center me. I think it does calm me. So I try to do that at least once a day. It's best to do it in the morning, they say. I find it's best for me to do it in the middle of the day if I can. If I can have five okay. or ten. Um, just because I've had everything in the morning. I've had the school run. I've had the kids in and out of the house. I've had everything I need to do. Um, then I'm starting to do whatever jobs or chores I've got for the day. And mm -hmm. in the middle of the day, just to give myself that, that breather, to give myself that push, I can find five or ten minutes to do it. And so if you're in office, in, if you're working in an office five or ten minutes in the middle of the day to your lunch hour, it's not a big deal. Some people do it when they go to bed. Um, when I'm going to, before I go to bed, I like to read. So I would prefer to do it at a different time. But it's up to, everybody does different things. Another thing I've done, which I find is really useful, and I've implemented it with my family, is mm -hmm. um, before you go to bed at night, write mm -hmm. down on a piece of paper five things you are grateful for. Just oh, thank you. Yes. Yeah. So that, that I think that I find works for me fantastically. And the last thing, it's a big thing. I got my family, they've been doing it for two or three years now. On my birthday in this household, it's a day of silence. So nobody's allowed to speak to me. They can speak to themselves, but I need to be left in silence. And I prefer to have silence. And it's fantastic. I did it at a retreat where everybody had to be silent. So explain that to me a bit more. So you, they're in silence, so they wake up and it's total silence the whole day. So how do yes, they communicate? They can, they can talk to each other if they want to, but they can't talk to me. Nobody can talk to me. Explain what that does for you personally. Why is that important to you? I found when we did it together as a group that it gave people, it, makes, it gives you that stillness, it gives your mind that stillness, it gives you that quality time to think to put thoughts through your mind, to not so much to meditate, just to be at peace. And also I found with the children, it makes them um, more creative because if you're not speaking, but you want to do something or you want to, then you need to think of a different way of conveying that message. That's brilliant. Like I, I am sitting here trying to imagine a scenario where my kids leave me alone for the whole day. I think yeah. that is bliss. <laughs> That's why it's on my birthday, Wendy. I couldn't say do it Sunday, do it Saturday. I had to tie it in with something and say, okay, so let's be creative. This is your birthday gift to me. Silence. <laughs> that is fantastic. I mean, every mother wants that a bit of peace and quiet and serenity. And on my birthday, don't give me a present. Just give me peace and serenity. <laughs> yeah, peace, serenity. I absolutely, absolutely I love it. Absolutely, absolutely love it. Um, in your journey so far, what would you say is the biggest, um, your, what has been your biggest success and what has been your biggest learning experience? Okay, so my biggest success I would think is, is having a client and working through all the questions, all the steps, going through with them and at the end, them having that sort of um, eureka moment. Mm -hmm. Or after they've left, I think, in fact, that's not it. In fact, after they've left and they've gone home and they start doing the things 
that we've put in place as a plan and they call you two hours later and say, I've done it. I started doing this. I've got it all sorted out and I'm on my way to continue and to be better. That's fantastic. When you know that you've actually helped someone, when you feel it, when they call you and say, mm -hmm. you've done something. I feel that I'm doing something. I feel that I'm now going somewhere. There's been, the blockage has been removed. So that's fantastic. Um, big learning curve. Don't coach people you know, because you're <laughs> said that before yeah don't 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 people don't want to don't you know they, they have their own ideas don't coach somebody who doesn't want to be coached because that, mm -hmm. that's just a waste okay mm -hmm. um and listen 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 really carefully a lot of mm -hmm. the time people talk uh, talk to you and you talk on top of them give them time take a step back and just listen you can you can learn so much by listening and observing things around you without speaking. And I think people appreciate it more. People appreciate, in my mind, a more humble approach than this loud mouth, sort of, I'm going to tell you everything, I know everything. They, they will open up better to you if they feel comfortable. And comfort comes from somewhere where you feel somebody's actually listening to you, giving you attention. So that's, my, that, that's a big thing I've learned. You might be excited and, you know, you might be excited and say, I've got the answer, let me, no, just wait. Just cool it down and just wait and then it will come. It will come. Now, you mentioned, um, obviously, that you're a mother to three uh, amazing children. You've got uh, your son and two daughters. So to your daughters, what are some of the things that you're saying to them about going for, you know, as you're raising them about, you know, finding themselves and um, going for what they believe in and maintaining their strong sense of, you know, identity, you're raising them in the UK, they greet children with African culture. What are some of the, um, the things that you're ensuring you instill in them as they grow up uh, so that, you know, they can become you know, the confident uh, women that you, that you as, the mother, as their mother represents? What are some of the things you are sharing with your children? Okay, so the first thing that we have for all our children, um, and we said this from the beginning, is you need to be a good person. And what do we mean by that? Yes, we'd like you to get the best grades at school and, and do well at school, but in your heart, you need to be a good person. So what, what, you, what you wouldn't like somebody to do to you, don't do to somebody else. You need to have respect. You need to work hard. And more importantly, being a good person, being a good citizen, citizen of the world. So that means you need to embrace all cultures, different people, different um, sort of areas of, 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 of people's religions, political views, embrace it all. But be able to go to bed at night. This is the main thing we've said to them. When you're an adult, even as a child, because we see lots of children now who have anxiety issues, you need to be able to go to bed at night and fall asleep comfortable in yourself. You need to know yourself. You need to love yourself and you need to be comfortable in yourself. You are you. Don't change for anybody. This is the way you are, but be true to yourself and true to the morals that we've, we've shown you and we brought you up in. So that's, that's the big thing for us. Excellent. No, those, those I've, I've taken notes. Those are amazing, particularly about being a good person. I think sometimes, particularly in the world that we live in now, where it's so much about success is more the external 
things that you have rather than the internal good person that you are. I remember reading um, Dr. Phil's um, book once ages ago, Life Strategies, and he was talking to men about definition of, of success and definition of success in a marital context. And he said to him, the definition of a successful man is how well he treats his wife behind closed doors. Yes. And I thought, wow, that is an amazing definition because to be able to do that, to be able to sit in that space where you show up for your family where it matters, which is when nobody else is looking, you have to be a good person at heart. You have to have those values instilled in you. And they don't necessarily have to come from a religious, a Christian base, or any, but just from your heart, be right. a good person. Yeah. So, so oh, yeah. yeah, so we have that. Um, to be a good person, obviously, yes. And to work hard. Working mm -hmm. hard instills discipline, focus. And at the end of the day, after you've, you've done your work and you see the fruits of your work, it, it brings a joy to you. You feel grateful. You feel appreciated by, by people around you. And you feel that you've, you've given something to the world. You've done something. You've made your mark. One of the things that we share, obviously, with our African heritage is dysfunctional leadership. In, in Africa. Yes. So um, you can, you know, we, and I think, I don't think we only share it in Africa. I think, you know, even internationally, globally, yes. um, there is a lot of dysfunction. It's very easy to put the microscope on, on Africa. Yes. It is very easy because you turn away from looking at yourself. How do you see sort of that leadership mentoring like one of the things we are doing with Krita is trying to see how all of this can come back towards building you know that vibrant Africa so we want the idea behind this program is we want to educate empower and entertain people about you know the amazing things that African people are doing both on the continent and off the continent how do you see your leadership academy and your life coaching giving back to our beautiful um our beautiful continent um Africa so I would see it in a way as empowering people, giving them the tools to do better, to think better, to, to show their true potential, to grow. Um, I think, the, not the issues with leadership, but the leadership that we have in the world, generally in the world today, most of the leaders are quite old. So it's to look towards the youth, to change their ideas, to make them see that there's a different way of leading. And you don't have to do the old fashioned steps or follow this. You can do it differently and you can do it better. That's true. That is, I mean, definitely the age dynamic is, is there. Like our leaders are very old and that's not an African thing. That's a global, that's, that's a global, global phenomenon. Thing. That's, a global, <laughs> yeah, that's a global thing. I mean, I saw, I, I, was, I was speaking to, um, to some people about the way that there's an economic crisis in Greece. Everybody knows about it. Um, mm -hmm. There's, some people are feeling quite troubled in the country with the way things are going. And I said, you know, this is the same thing that happened or similar in Africa. And it is because the leaders are all old or they come from the same roots, the same family, the same parties. You need the youth to think differently, to try and think, mm. how can we need to change this? We yeah. Can't just continue doing the same thing. If you do the same thing again and again, it's not a mistake, it's a habit. Yes, it is a habit. It is a habit. It definitely is a habit. Now, a frivolous question. Uh, I'll yes. take a last question before we close off. Very yes. frivolous. How is the UK bus with the impending wedding that has 
so taken over every single media channel. <laughs> I can't wait. Um, in fact, I don't have it here with me. I have it in my um, in my kitchen. My husband bought a a, a box of biscuits, and it's it's, uh -huh. it's you know it's got um, it's got Meghan, Prince William, and Meghan the wedding, and it's uh -huh. a It's a souvenir. Fantastic. For next Saturday, uh -huh. I will be sitting with my champagne or my wine, something to drink. I'm going to watch it with my daughter. I've got a couple of friends coming over. I'm so you're, you're falling into it. Oh, yes. A woman of color is getting into the palace. Thank you. <laughs> Definitely. So I hope we see change. I, I do. I, and I think... The point that you made earlier about the age and needing the youth and needing different ideas, it is great to see how William and Harry, um, in terms of the women that they've chosen to partner with, have brought a different sense um, and a different, yes. um, you know, a, a massive change to that monarchy. Like Kate, you see Kate doing her grocery shopping, doing what she needs to do as a mother. She is doing all of the things that she needs to do. Yes, she's in a position of privilege. She doesn't have to do any of that. But her right. kids, kids are dressed in clothes that anybody can relate to. She dresses yeah. in clothes that anybody can relate to. She's not out there. Then Megan comes in, um, actress background, woman of color, you know, all of these things going into the oldest institution. And I was wondering, I don't, I, I know she realizes how big it is, but she's actually married into the family that colonized pretty much the world, if you think yeah. about it. Exactly. So I think I think for her it's, it's it's a huge learning curve because also it's a different culture, you know. Oh um, yes. So she's learning, and and I think she's doing fantastically. I think um, Prince William and Prince Harry are really moving the monarchy forward. They are making it more modern, more relatable to the people. They're not yeah. following the old-fashioned route, picking these uh, the girls that have been chosen out for them. They're going their own way, leading things their own way. The wife of uh, Prince William, Kate, she's doing things the way she wants to do them. She's bringing her children up in a more, um, not less royal, but more relaxed manner. Mm. And they seem to be more in touch with reality, more in touch with the people in this country and the people around the world. So yes, I see, um, you know, I can only believe that things are going to move forward and they, they, they're just going to get better and better. Well, yeah, to their longevity, they have to. Every institution has to evolve and, um, and has to change. Even the Catholic Church, um, the, Met, the recent Met Gala, the Catholic Church openly embraced um, yeah. you know, a fashion event. And that was signed off by the Vatican, much to everybody going, ah, the Vatican <laughs> yeah, door. So, actually, when I saw that, I thought there's going to be a backlash, but there wasn't. No, 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 the Vatican approved it. So it was, it was all good. Um, they were supporting it. The vicars were tweeting about it. My niece was telling me, I said, vicar, what? The archbishops are tweeting? She says, yeah, the Catholic Church is fully on board. I'm like, okay, things are Perfect. changing. <laughs> Perfect. Things are changing. Now, Shireen, please tell us, uh, do a bit of uh, promo for us. Tell us where people can find your business, the name of your business, where we can find you, um, all your socials, um, where, where can people get in contact with you if they're wanting to look for, for you as a life coach? Okay, so the, the company is called Epiphany Enterprises. Epiphany means idea, a wow moment. So um, 
We are on, um, we, we do have an internet page, which is epiphanyenterprises.com. We have a Facebook page. And on either of those pages, there is a contact form and you can contact us and we will be delighted to speak with you. Excellent. Our final question. Now, yes. you're a woman of the world. You're a mom. You've achieved so many great things. Yes. Looking back at your 16-year-old self, what would you say to her? I would say travel. Go out and travel. Get out there. Speak to people. Experience different cultures. Go for that job, even though you, you, you're not sure that you can do it. Go for that job. Do the job. Learn on the job. Um, mm -hmm. Stretch yourself beyond your limits, beyond what you think you can do. Um, meet that guy. Go on that date. That's what I would say. I would say open yourself up to as many opportunities as possible. Just go, go, go. Never say no to an opportunity. And they always say, um, if opportunity doesn't knock, build the door. So start building doors. Excellent. Well, Shireen, thank you so much for spending time with us this morning and allowing us to enter your world and hear about the fantastic things you're doing. Um, Epiphany Enterprises, because I, oh yes, I wrote Epiphany Enterprises, but couldn't read my own writing here. So, um, and all the amazing things you're doing with uh, Epiphany Enterprises, working with your husband, raising your kids, uh, your marvelous personality comes through, your joy for, for your work and everything um, just just comes through. And I'm sure your clients benefit so much from, from your energy because just spending this time with you, um, it has rubbed off on me. Uh, can't wait to meet you in person when I come over to the UK. Oh, fantastic. I can't wait. Wonderful. Thank you, Christine. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. I really enjoyed it. I love speaking to you. I feel like I've met you already. This podcast is being recorded and produced at Brisbane Podcasting Centre. You can reach out to Sisters in Colour on our social media pages and on our website, Migrant Women in Business. You can also find us on Facebook and LinkedIn. This is Christine Mudavanu. Thanks for listening to Sisters in Colour.